Miley was just uh, a, a, young, a young girl, and she was a huge fan of Marcia and Jeff back in the day. And so I can, I can be one of those few people that, that can say Miley Cyrus was a fan of me before anybody was a fan of her. <laughs> yes, yes. It's Podcast Junkies with the random Miley Cyrus name drop episode number three. Okay, so for the record, I have to get better at speaking into the mic because I tend to ramble, not ramble, um, mumble, mumble's a good word, yes, so I'm making a concerted effort to be a bit more articulate when I speak. Today, I get to speak to Jeff Brown, and he's the host of the Read to Lead podcast, and he's also the founder of Podcaster Academy, which is sort of like the, the polish um, on top of your podcasting training. So if you're in another program, um, John Lee Dumas's Podcaster's Paradise, Podcasting A to Z, uh, Podcasting 101. Is that an actual course? I'm not sure. Regardless, I think um, Podcaster Academy um, takes advantage of the fact that Jeff has 26 years of experience in broadcast, and he brings that to bear and uh, definitely makes uh, you cognizant of how you're presenting to your audience. So enough of that. I think um, he'll talk about it a bit more and definitely more articulately than I can. He's got a great voice for radio. He's uh, definitely a fun, fun guy to talk to. And it's an interesting uh, listen when you hear about his experiences and and what led him down the path to podcasting. So I hope you enjoy it. My guest today is Jeff Brown, host of the Read to Lead podcast, a show which is based on the belief that intentional and consistent reading is key to success in business and in life. Past guests have included Dan Miller, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Dan Pink, along with several other New York Times bestselling authors. Jeff himself is a voracious reader with a passion for books on personal development, leadership, business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. He's also the founder of Podcaster Academy, an online course designed specifically to nurture the host side of podcasting. He leverages his 26 years of experience as a broadcaster to help you deliver a more polished and professional sounding show. So, uh, full disclosure here, I am a recent graduate of Podcaster <laughs> Academy, so hopefully I uh, make you proud, Jeff. Uh, yeah, and, and smart to point that out, yes. So, uh, welcome to Podcast Junkies. Uh, thanks, for coming on. thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Harry. It was great having you in the class, and uh, I hope uh, that uh, your podcast journey is, is one that uh, will last a long, long time. It's uh, been been uh, an interesting challenge getting everything started as as you very well know um it's a lot of moving parts <laughs> yes, yes, <it> is. <laughs> to get the, get get these things mm-hmm. moving and i think um I'm, I'm trying to have conversations with folks who can provide some context around uh, podcasting mm-hmm. uh where it's been it's headed in in its relatively short uh, in, uh <laughs> infancy if you will but uh, I thought uh, I, I really wanted to have you on because of your breadth of knowledge and your experience um, in broadcasting. So maybe we'll start there. Um, 
if you could talk a little bit about how you, a little bit about your mm-hmm. background in broadcasting, and um, and then how eventually you made the transition into actual podcasting. Yeah, it started for me. I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but it started for me back in 1987. Uh, that I was about yeah. 21 years old, uh, and do the math, and you'll know how old I am. But <laughs> um, started sort of really kind of falling into radio. I'd had an interest as a as a young child, and uh, took some courses in high school. I had an, the the good fortune of attending a high school that had its own radio station, still does. And so I, you know, sort of cut my teeth a little bit there. Even though I I never actually went forward and was on the high school radio station, I didn't take all the courses necessary to get that far because I had a guidance counselor tell me, well. If this thing, you're, this radio thing you're doing over here is, is not the career path you think you're going to take, because at the time it wasn't, he's like, you don't need to be taking these other courses. And like, All right, so I guess I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but little did I know, after uh, going to college as a music education major and, and later dropping out because I decided halfway through that I didn't want to be a, a teacher for the rest of my life, uh, at least not at the junior high level. <laughs> after a, a semester of student teaching, that's all yeah. I needed to know that... <laughs> Uh, but I uh, sort of kind of landed into the, uh, on my feet into this um, uh, sort of local, just starting out uh, radio trade school, you might say. Professional Broadcasters Institute was the name of it. I was the first student to enroll in this wow. local crash course in radio, the first to graduate six months later in, in May or June of, I guess it was June of 1987. And there was some job placement assistance along with that and got my first radio job in July of that year. In fact, my first day on the air was July 4th, a holiday. And I should have, that should have been an omen right there that this was going to be a tough road. <laughs> uh, radio people work all kinds of odd hours. But uh, for the yeah. next uh, 26 years, uh, I worked in radio in one form or another. Not all of it full-time. I actually took a, a detour into the, uh, the music business uh, in 96, and that's when I moved to Nashville, and I worked for a record label and doing radio promotions. And so with my radio experience under, under my belt, my job was to call on radio stations across the country and uh, try to convince them to play our artists' uh, singles. Uh, and so I did that for four years, and while I did that, I continued in, uh, in radio part-time. And you know, my first few gigs out of the gate, those first few years were all part-time. But uh, in, in fairly short order... Um, uh, I was doing it full time, and over the course of my career, I've been able to do uh, morning shows, uh, which is sort of like the you know, the, you know, the big feather in your cap when it comes to radio, including one that was nationally syndicated at one point. And so, um, I've I've gotten to do everything I ever wanted to do in radio, um, and was actually uh, around this time last year, honestly, about a year ago, was talking to my wife about you know I'm thinking I want to quit my job. I've done all the things I've wanted to do. There were some transitions happening where I was that. I wasn't sure what the future was going to be like, and I, I wasn't convinced of what the future, and still am, am not convinced of what the future of radio is going to be like. And so uh, uh, we talked about that and, and sort of kind of agreed that maybe by the end of last year, I would leave if I got all my ducks in a row. Well, June 17th came, and I got let go, actually. So I pushed out of the nest wow. a little early. Yeah. In fact, it was me and, and two of my <laughs> colleagues on the same day as part of a of an organizational restructuring uh, that was going. We were the three uh, longest uh, tenured employees uh, and therefore the highest paid. <laughs> and so when it came to cutting yeah, some costs, we were, we were the first to get the act. So, um, and, and, and frankly, with a, a new regime coming in, uh, with my supervisor leaving, there was some, um, honestly, there was some overlap between the new person coming in and my skill set and the skill set of some other folks. And so it was, it was the, probably the right thing for the company to do. I don't, 
harbor any ill will or anything like that. But it was yeah. it was um, uh, a sort of a, a confirmation to me that my thinking of leaving my job was the right thing. And so thankfully I was in that mindset when this happened. And so it wasn't a hard uh, hitting blow and I was sort of semi-prepared for it. So I just jumped right in with uh, doing the things I was already doing in the margins of life and began doing them, you know, 40 plus hours a week. And here we are all these months later and I'm yet to look for a full-time job. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's a, that's a fantastic story, and uh, maybe they'll make a movie out of it someday. <laughs> uh, let's see. I want uh, Brad Pitt, um, Mel Gibson, or Tom Cruise to play me. <laughs> <laughs> they might, they're yeah, a little bit tied yeah. up at the moment, I imagine, yeah. but uh, you never know. Um, when did you first hear of the term uh, podcasts? Because uh, when, when, up until then, obviously, everything is, um, you know, in terms of radio, everything mm. is broadcasting, right? Um, what, did you remember when you actually heard this term and when you started to, when it started to pique your curiosity? Yeah, I guess it was in mid last decade, not quite 10 years ago, 2005, 2006 ish, somewhere around there when I first became familiar with it. And it was a little bit foreign sounding. Um, I mean, even today, I think some would argue against me on this. In fact, some have, but I think the word podcast, there's gotta be a better word for it than that. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I just, I think the average person, uh, the average citizen, let's say, um, you know, most of whom don't listen to podcasts. I think the average person who hears that term doesn't understand what it means. Uh, even yeah. somebody who uses, you know, iTunes, let's say regularly for music purchases and this sort of thing, I think looks at something like that and just, it's foreign to them. They don't get it. And so I think part of that has to do with the name. And so it was a little confusing for me, but around 2007 or so, my wife, uh, as a gift, bought me uh, an iPod, my first iPod, and I began uh, downloading a podcasts. And I remember some of my first ones, and I, I was I was hooked. And, and for me, um, you know, there yeah. there wasn't a whole lot to choose from, frankly. And I was very much interested in technology, uh, and so I was uh, following people like uh, and this these names may not mean anything to you, but um, Callie Lewis, uh, who okay. did a podcast called Geek Brief. Dot TV. It's now called geekbeat.tv. She okay. actually co-hosts it with a guy named John P. But it's a two or three time a week, times a week um, video podcast about technology and new, new gadgets and all this kind of thing. And um, she and her husband started doing that out of their you know, living room. And then over, after about two or three years, they began to be able to monetize it with sponsors. And she does uh, a campaign now at Patreon uh, where uh, listeners, patreon.com, where Viewers and listeners of their podcast can contribute monthly, and they're over the five thousand dollar a month level with contributions, and so it's doing really, really well. Is that is that pod, is that podcast still? Yeah, still on, yeah, on yeah. Geekbeat.tv, yeah, okay. uh, and uh, Callie's a, just a great individual. Really enjoy uh, her work. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to ever meet her in person, but she's she's a great lady. So they're really pioneers in the space. I think so. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, I was listening to uh, a guy named uh, Todd Henry who does a podcast called uh, Accidental Creative. Okay. Uh, he started in around 2005, and that podcast led to him writing a book of the same name and, and, and starting a company called Accidental Creative. And uh, you know, after or out of the podcast, he since has written another book, and I had him on my show last year, a book called um, Die Empty, Unleash Your Best Work every day and just a fan, my favorite book of 2013 that's, as far as am, that's ambitious yeah <laughs> yeah yes it is it is ambitious but uh, those were a couple of the early ones i was listening to and then you know i 
I kind of stuck with those and a handful of others for a long time. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where I sort of dipped my toe in the water again, looking for new stuff and beginning to realize that, well, podcasting isn't just for people in a certain place in life. Really, anybody can start a podcast, even me. You know, and I'd or sort even of like the the, uh, the the techs or the geeks, if you will, because they're usually the early adopters with this sort of yeah. stuff. And that's how I kind of viewed it. Well, podcasting, it's, it's for folks who want to do tech podcasts and things of that nature by and large. But then I started realizing, well, there's business-focused podcasts. There's all kinds of stuff out there. You go looking for it. And I had kicked around the idea for about five years, since about 2008, of maybe doing a podcast one day. Uh, I came off the air uh, in 2008 day-to-day um, -day and worked behind the scenes my last five years in radio. Uh, and... I thought, you know, I might do something like that, but I never really knew what that would be. It wasn't until last year that I began really formulating those ideas. Is that idea the Read to Lead podcast? Yes, 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 it was. So with all the different topics that you could have chose to, mm -hmm. to base a podcast off of, is it just – is your passion of books so strong that you wanted to marry that with uh, your, your knowledge of broadcasting and you figured that was, that was the perfect fit? You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, I was literally driving home one day uh, and then spent my time in the car listening, listening to podcasts and, and audio books, too. And that's one of the ways that I kept up with so many books uh, and as many as I do uh, was audio books on my commute. And um, I had made a goal, set a goal at the beginning of last year. I didn't normally set reading goals because I just read anyway, just naturally. But I, I thought I, I would set a modest goal of a book a month and and I, I was counting up the books uh, at the end of March, end of the first, about this time last year. And I realized I had read 10 books already and had already started 11 and 12. Yeah. Uh, most now, when of say, now, when you say read, was it, uh, was it all audible? Uh, not all. Most okay. of them were. Yeah, most of them were, which I count as reading. I mean, hey. Yeah, no, of course. That's still reading. <laughs> do, you, uh, do, you, do you do any of them at uh, faster than 1x speed? You know, I, I've, I've been asked that before. I I don't normally. I, yeah. I don't often think about it. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I think there's there, there's something in me that can. I don't know. This is really weird to, to admit this, but it's almost. I feel like I'm cheating if I do that. I don't know what that what that yeah. what, where that comes from. But I don't normally uh, uh, do that. But when I realized how many I'd read, I said out loud to myself in the car, "Well, that's like a book a week." Yeah. And when I said that out loud, the whole book a week thing kind of spoke podcast to me. And I have this itch to sort of share what I'm learning as I'm reading. And I didn't really have a vehicle for doing that other than a couple of uh, folks at work. And I, I also feel like many people don't do nearly enough reading. Uh, yeah. and, and I really feel it's a huge factor in success. And so I realized I, hit, I was on to something and I began researching right then and there. Was there anything like this already? Was I too late? And I found plenty of podcasts related to you know book reviews and that sort of thing and a lot of uh, podcasts in, in, in that area are really more about non or rather fiction a lot of times than, than nonfiction. And so I really didn't see anything out there. There were certainly interview-focused podcasts. I wasn't the first to that party by any means, but uh, yeah. there wasn't anything quite like it. And uh, the next phase was coming up with a name. And when I, when I found or came, came across sort of read to lead, and that comes from the, the phrase uh, leaders read and readers lead. I'm a big believer in that, in that mantra. And so I just sort of shortened that and decided I was going to call it the Read to Lead podcast. And that was in March. And by July, it was, it was up and running. Is that uh, quote attributable to anyone in particular? 
You know, I, I, I'm sure it is. I may be an anonymous. I, <laughs> the first person I heard utter that quote was uh, Michael Hyatt. Yeah. I think in his blog, and then I've heard him mention it later on his own podcast, the, the This Is Your Life podcast. And I can't remember if he attributed it to anyone or not. So I'll give Michael credit for it because that's where I first uh, heard it. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll, we'll give we'll give him credit until someone else steps forward. And <laughs> there you it. go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, I was doing a bit of research, especially when it came around the term of, of using uh, podcasts and who who likes to use it. And mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Cliff Ravenscraft on his show recently referenced a Dan Miller podcast. And Dan Miller's not a fan of the word podcast. Okay. <laughs> but interestingly, interestingly enough, as I was doing that research. Dan Miller was talking about you. So this was the uh, the 48 Days <laughs> yeah. podcast. I think uh, you may be may, you may be wrong was the title of the episode. Okay. And, and he, <laughs> I think out of just happenstance, I, I'm scrolling through the podcast listening sp- for this specific piece about when he talks about, I don't want to call this thing podcast. And then he, he, <laughs> your name pops up and I'm like, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting sign. And he talked about his uh, Wisdom Meets Passion conference. Uh-huh. I think, and uh, that you were, it was probably around the time that you were looking to transition out of broadcasting. Okay, okay. So uh, Now, was this a while back? Was this, uh, or I think was this recent? Well, it was on a, the, I was on a podcast in, um, I think, earlier earlier this year okay. uh, that he mentioned it. So it, I, I just thought it was funny that I was looking for something <laughs> else related to, the, to a comment, and I heard Jeff yeah. Brown, and I was like, I'm going to talk to Jeff. Well, here's something else funny. You and I are on the day you and I are recording this this conversation. I was listening to Dan's episode released today. Okay, and he mentions my name today. <laughs> <laughs> someone's, a, some, someone's a fan. <laughs> uh, he's talking about my last or latest episode of the Read to Lead podcast. He okay. particularly enjoyed, and he's been sharing it everywhere, which I very much appreciate because I'm a huge fan of Dan. So that's yeah. a, it's a it's a huge honor for him to do that. So I just thought that was funny to hear you mention because I thought maybe you were talking about today's episode, but <laughs> actually mentioned me today too. So who, yeah, who, who knew? <laughs> yeah, he's, it's hard to even keep up with um, or even know of a way for folks to reference you. I guess if it was in some mm-hmm. sort of blog post, you could there'd be some keywords you could search on or a, a <laughs> yeah. Google alert you could put together. But <laughs> right. there hasn't been anything invented yet, I guess, to scan audio. And until everyone starts putting their transcripts online, that's probably going to be a bit tough. It's something to, to track down. It's something I want to start doing. I just haven't got to that place yet where I'm doing that with my with my yeah. podcast episodes. But I'd love to have a transcript of every episode for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because you uh, there's actually people that like to read or skim through the transcript, mm-hmm. and um, I think there's um, I guess content for every type of um, person. And you, you always think, well, since I like to listen to podcasts, that's you know, and my, my that's my favorite. Um, form of cons- uh, of consuming information, then everyone else must like it, and uh, <laughs> but that's generally not the case. You're right. You're right. And by I me, mean, you take into consideration folks that are deaf, for example. I mean, yes. show notes it would be fantastic. That's you know, true. If you can't yeah. listen to the podcast, so yeah, go, I think it. Um, back when there was a push to make sure websites are are, are compliant for for uh, folks who are blind, and mm-hmm. and it's hard, you know, if, if that's not. Um, the your audience that you're thinking of, then that's usually not top of mind for you. But it's it's a great point, uh, yeah, and yeah, something to, for to sure. think of to be all inclusive. I just realized how dark uh, the shadow is on my face. I hope that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you're, yeah, the, you could we could make this the uh, the, the man of mystery podcast. <laughs> 
almost like when they're when they're when they're interviewing someone and they don't want their identity revealed. Yeah, I, I should have better lighting in my office here. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. We'll put a we'll put a mysterious vocoder box over your voice as well. <laughs> there you go. And then <laughs> going back to when you were a broadcaster. Um, mm-hmm. And you think about what your, some of your responsibilities were when you were creative director. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of that come into play now that you're producing your own show? Or do you feel mm-hmm. like you have to be the jack of all trades? Uh, it's, it certainly does. Uh, I mean, I've learned, uh, I mean, or I apply rather, so much of what I learned in radio to doing a podcast. Absolutely. Really, when it comes to you know, f- formatting my show and how, I, how it's all laid out, communicating ideas, being succinct, things that I... I taught in the class that you just came out of and thinking about, you know, always speaking to one person and, and never forgetting to include your listener, even when you're having a conversation with someone you're, you're interviewing for your show and not forgetting that, 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 that other person, that third person is there with you and thinking of them as being seated at the same table as you and not over here somewhere off to the side and eavesdropping, you know, all those, all those kinds of techniques have been, have been really helpful. I hated, uh, writing, in, in college. Okay. Uh, but my radio career, uh, especially the, the last five years was, was a lot of writing and that's writing of imaging, what we call imaging and those elements you hear between the songs that help brand a radio station. Uh, so, so for just, uh, in terms of terminology for, mm-hmm. um, imaging is, is exactly that the, 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 the periods in between songs or is that applied to other, other aspects of, of producing a radio show? Uh, mostly those 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 segue elements uh, between songs, those things where you might hear the radio station branding itself and what it's about, or maybe a listener testimony or something along those lines. Uh, so I would write those kinds of things, produce those kinds of things. I would write uh, promos, all the concerts that we uh, we produced a lot of concerts in house, and I would write the promos for those. And the the trick there was, you know, getting away from just who, what, when, where, which most concert promos do, and getting real creative with it and telling a story and doing something that, that, that captures people's attention. The, flip, the, or the, the drawback of doing that is you have to fr- uh, freshen up your promos more often because something that unique gets old that much more quickly yeah. than the typical who it is, who, what, when, where kind of concert promo. So the more creative you are, the more often you have to be creative in, in the radio world. And I think the nature of podcasts is that unless something happens with your website or you take it down, they're going to be around for a pretty long time. And yeah, I, and I yeah. think uh, it speaks to, um, I guess, making thinking. I don't know if we need to think about it as podcasters, as as keeping our content evergreen, mm-hmm. or just um, focus on topics of discussion that are relevant to us now, and and maybe not worry about things like that so much. Well, I like uh, personally producing content that is evergreen because I want somebody coming to it a year from now to also be able to get something out of it. Having said that. Often what precedes and follows a conversation with an author may not be evergreen. I might be promoting something yeah. that is, is date-specific or um, a, an offer for some product from a sponsor that's date-specific or time-sensitive. Uh, so in that sense, it's not. But I, I ho- hope always that the content or the conversation itself is something that people will always be able to get some something out of because everybody's in a different season in life. And so – while something I'm talking about today is perfect for this group of people, there's another group coming up a year from now who haven't gotten to that place in life yet that might be hearing these concepts and ideas for the first time. Yeah. Not only are we getting new listeners, um, 
we're also getting new podcasters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it's yeah. interesting uh, what you touched on earlier, the fact that uh, there's, there's things about making a podcast that are, that are brand new to, new, new to people mm-hmm. um, in terms of how to structure your show, how to, from the technical aspect, which I think um, over time you can look, look through a lot of sites online and try to mm-hmm. figure all that out in the same way you figure out how to create a blog or how right. to create a website you could probably work your way through those issues. I think part of what's going to be interesting to watch is how, how these new and up and coming podcasters like myself, um, start to figure out and, and, uh, find their voice, if you will, and, and are able to speak to, in, uh, their audience in a way that's relevant and that keeps them engaged. Um, and that's probably the, one of the biggest challenges with so many people coming online, if you will. Yeah, and that's something that I didn't really feel like a lot of folks out there teaching up-and-coming podcasters uh, uh, were really covering. And so, um, I don't, you know, I can't cover in my own course, Podcaster Academy, everything under the sun. But my hope is, is that some of those things you just mentioned, um, if not in the first version, the first iteration, as, as it grows and, and um, uh, evolves over the next few months and years, it becomes that kind of a course that can address those sort of the talent side uh, of, of the of the the arrangement, not so much the technical side, but just being a person who knows how to co- uh, connect compellingly so with yeah. with their listener or with their in your case viewer as well. <laughs> as if it wasn't hard enough to to produce a podcast, I thought I'd add the other complexity of video <laughs> hey, onto it. <laughs> more power to you. Man. <laughs> so we'll see how that uh, that experiment turns out. Um, <laughs> You, it, uh, when I was looking through uh, your bio, you also produced uh, concerts and other mm. events. Were those live yeah. events that you were producing, or just con- uh, uh, shows on air shows? Yeah, live live concert events. Um, uh, the last station I worked for was a listener supported station, a, a music okay. uh, station, and listener supported at the same time. And one of the ways we uh, uh, made or raised money was to do concerts and sell tickets to concerts. And so we acted as our own concert promoter producer and so we had you know much like a third party promoter would go to a radio station and say hey i'm bringing the rolling stones to town i want to buy time on your radio station to promote it we uh, partnered with record labels and artists and and developed relationships with them and in turn then promoted the show uh on our own station and so we were kind of like two people in that in that role that normally is filled by uh, or, or one person in that role that's normally filled by two different entities yeah um, if that makes sense i don't know if i explained that very well but um but yeah so we we had we were in nashville which is where many of, of the artists we played lived and their managers were and so that made things easy or easier uh so they were you know they were right there oftentimes where we were and so um, we developed those relationships. Uh, we developed the relationships with the various venues, Bridgestone Arena uh, being chief among them in Nashville, where uh, the uh, Nashville Predators hockey team plays, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we we've we've done some shows as small as you know a thousand people and as large as uh, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand, depending on the scope of of the event. So it's a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to uh, one of my. Uh, fondest memories of, of working uh, in that industry is is going on stage to welcome a crowd of 16,000 people <laughs> to an event. And and, uh, and and thankfully, I'm not the person they're there to see. Or I'd be scared half to death. But just being able to go out there and get the crowd going and get them excited and 
and you know give stuff away and throw stuff at people and you know <laughs> well, it's, it's always it's always it's always helpful when you actually have something to give away because <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah the crowd well, was always are, fun yeah the crowds are, are, are a bit friendlier when they're when <laughs> yes. you have something to offer them yeah yeah i enjoyed that it was a lot of fun it was scary you know the first time i did it in you know the late 80s but you get used to it after a while and it's 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 a lot of fun so um at least you didn't have to come up with any jokes to warm up the audience. Right? <laughs> no, I didn't do anything like that, at least not very often. <laughs> so talk to me about uh, some, one of your more memorable experiences when mm. you were in your, from, you know, with such a, a storied career in broadcasting. Mm. Um, talk to me about something that uh, is, is memorable either from a show perspective or a guest or um, anything else content-related. That, that that sticks out for you and, and, and you recall you look back fondly upon <laughs> uh, a funny thing I thought of as you were saying that I uh, being in Nashville uh, somebody who was a big fan of our radio station was uh, uh, Billy Billy Ray Cyrus okay and this is I was doing mornings from 2002 to 2008 uh, and so Miley was just uh, a, a young a young girl and she was a huge fan of Marcia and Jeff Okay. Back in the day, and so I can I can be one of those few people that, that can say Miley Cyrus was a fan of me before anybody was that a fan of her. That's great. I wasn't expecting a Miley Cyrus <laughs> reference to be listed in my show notes. <laughs> now, if you great. go to if you go today and ask Miley Cyrus who I am, she's not going to have a clue. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when she was a little girl, before anybody knew who she was. She was. I never got a chance to meet her, but her dad was on our show a couple of times. But uh, he never brought Miley with him. So uh, that that was a, a fun memory. Uh, just, you know, you get to get to meet a lot of uh, of cool people, cool yeah. artists. Um, but uh, especially um, in, especially in Nashville, of all places, if you're going to go some, I mean, if you're going to be somewhere, that, I mean, there's certain places in the in the country that are meccas for certain industries, and obviously, yeah. music and Nashville go together. Pretty absolutely well. absolutely yeah i i one of my, one of the strongest memories i have is um being in a situation and you get all kinds of phone calls you know from random people when you're on the air and i was on the air solo at this time and tried late at night as i recall but getting a call from somebody who was just you know at a place in their life where they just wanted to end it all wow. and um just you know calling and they, and, somebody and they, they called into your show yeah yeah uh, not to necessarily be on the air, but just yeah. wanted somebody to talk to, yeah. you know, and, and, and what I sensed was somebody to talk them out of what they were about to do. Yeah. Usually that's the case, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very humbled and thankful to be able to say that, uh, through the course of that conversation and those that followed that, uh, that person is, is still with us. Uh, and so to be, in that place and not having any sort of formal counseling or anything yeah. like that and being scared to death. Oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And I just, you know, sort of went with my gut and just listened to them and, and heard what they had to say and just, you know, uh, prayed about it honestly and just, you know, said the things that just came to me as, as we spoke and thankfully um, was able to convince them that that wasn't the right thing to do. And so, um, you know, I, I know of a handful of people who, uh, in this business, uh, in the business radio, who have been in that situation before, yeah. uh, and it's it's one I don't ever want to be in again, quite frankly. But yeah, once is enough. <laughs> yeah, once is enough, certainly. But I'm thankful that I was able to 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 be there for that person at that place in their life. So, yeah, that's interesting when you when you say that. I mean, uh, obviously, you don't want to um, overthink it, but sometimes mm. you know when you when you hear something like that, you wonder. If especially for you, having been 
um, behind the mic, if you will, for, for mm-hmm. such a long time that uh, do you feel like like this is where you belong, that this is some sort of calling for you? I, I do, honestly, Harry. Yeah, um, it's felt so natural to me for the time that I've done it. Um, you know, when I got let go uh, last year, um, my planning for the podcast, as I mentioned, started in March. So yeah. a couple of months, three months before I got let go. And so I was already planning on doing this and really being back behind the mic for the first time in five years. As I mentioned earlier, I came off the air in 2008 because I got tired of getting up at 245 in the morning. Uh, but uh, I wanted, you know, uh, I was missing it a little bit. I wanted to, to, to do it again on my own terms and on my own time. Uh, and it just, yeah, it does feel very natural to me and, and does feel a bit of a calling. And I've really, really enjoyed uh, the progression of, of my uh, personal podcast and, and where that's gone. And uh, it's partly responsible for me being able to, you know, not have to worry about uh, going and seeking another job. I didn't launch it thinking I was going to monetize it necessarily. But I did think, well, you know, it could certainly serve as a calling card or a a, a platform or a launching pad to other things, maybe some indirect uh, uh, you know, income from from the podcast. But I didn't think I would monetize it directly. I have done some of that, but I've been more successful with with sort of the indirect stuff, you know. And so uh, that's been cool to see because I, I, you know, I wouldn't have thought that that would that would come as relatively quickly as as it has. And so I've been I've been very very blessed and very very fortunate. Tying uh, something. Um back in about being in front of public mm-hmm. um you're actually going to be a speaker at podcast movement yes yes and is that uh something you've done in the past uh, <laughs> in terms of speaking because you were just i, I just remembered you saying <laughs> it was funny to be in front of that many people and you're gonna yeah. have the chance to be in front of uh some people again I'm scared to death about it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I have done some public speaking. A lot of it, um, and uh, not very much of it, but a lot that I have done has been uh, like internally. Like I have given presentations, <clears throat> excuse me, to um, the, uh, the the entire national sales team at the radio station I, I last worked at, the entire uh, programming team uh, at the at the radio station I worked at. Uh, I've given presentations to the executive team at our, at our home uh, office in Colorado Springs. Um, most of it centered around social media. Uh, I was sort of seen as sort of the internal uh, company expert on that subject. And so uh, back in 2008, 9, and 10, when everybody in sales and programming was trying to figure out what do we do with this thing called social <laughs> media, I was the guy trying to help lead everybody in, those, in, in that area. Yeah. And then met with the executives along the same lines and like, where is the future of radio going and how, what's our role in it and how do we adjust and, and reset and do all that kind of stuff. And so, again, a lot of those were in front of 15, 20, 25 people as part of our, our organization. But I've done very little speaking outside of that. Yeah. And so, uh, so this, in a sense, will be very new for me. And, and obviously, it makes me very nervous. I mean, uh, getting behind a microphone and talking to thousands of people in real time doesn't bother me in the least. Yeah, yeah. It's, but, it's the fact that, the, well, it's interesting because you say we have to remember that they're there, but it's, <laughs> it's easier when you don't have that, their faces actually staring back at you probably. Yeah, and it's in it, you know, on the radio is much uh, more about being entertaining and funny and all these other things. And in the setting at podcast movement, I, I'm actually supposed to, 
you know, share some wisdom. I'm supposed to actually <laughs> teach people something they don't already yeah. know. I'm supposed, I'm the guy they're coming to see for that one hour or whatever it is. And so yeah. that to me, there's a lot of pressure and I don't want to take that lightly. And the fact that they're all you know, staring at you is a little intimidating. I had uh, Ken Davis on my show who's written, a, he's a professional speaker and, and comedian. He's written a book called Secrets of Dynamic Communication. Okay. Does the score conferences with Michael Hyatt, which is all about public speaking. And, uh, was, this Ken, before, was this before or after you knew you were going to speak? Uh, before, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no, but uh, his book is great. I highly yeah. recommend it, uh, reading it now, but uh, rereading it, I should say. And uh, one of the things he said uh, to me uh, was uh, he much prefers being able to see faces because he knows that's instant feedback. He yeah. knows what's connecting and what isn't connecting. Uh, and if you were in my situation, like on the radio every day, he said that would be so hard for him because he would have no idea one second to the next, one minute to the next, whether or not what he was saying was having any impact. And I had never thought about it that way. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So at least you have that. My fear would be that the immediate uh, feedback would be negative. (laughs) People would be yawning and looking at their watches and checking their phones (laughs) and and not paying any attention. I'd be like, oh, I'm dying here. What do I do? Yeah, yeah. at least you know then you got to change it up or pull out the plan B, (laughs) the the juggling or whatever other skill you got. I told him I'd much rather fly blind, be on the radio and not have any clue as to whether or not I was connecting with people and just move right along. (laughs) That's interesting that you say that because now as as, uh, we sit here – um, uh, on video as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting to get that feedback from folks because, like you said, <laughs> we we could be doing this uh, just through audio, and mm-hmm. uh, you could be maybe having your sandwich and checking your email while you're at the same time doing the podcast <laughs> with me. And uh, and body language says a lot. And you're like, whoa, this guy is ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's good. I I think, I, or maybe selfishly, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a lot, I can keep an eye on my guests, if you will, and make sure that uh, I'm, I'm keeping <laughs> yeah. their interests and there asking go. some interesting questions. Not a bad idea. So, <laughs> do you ever think about what you would be doing if you weren't doing this? Oh gosh. Uh, Wow. Um, it's hard. Uh, you know, I, I've got several sort of income streams right now. I'm doing uh, some light and occasional website work for small businesses. I'll even do a, a mobile app. I've got a website I'm working on right now, a mobile app I'm working on right now for two different companies. Okay. So that helps bring in some, some income in addition to, you know, doing like the course last month, Podcaster Academy, and doing it again in April, hopefully. Uh, and, um, and uh, doing some work for a company called TV Talk uh, occasionally. And so there's different income streams. Uh, but all of them, uh, most with the exception of the web and mobile app work, most of them involve getting behind a microphone in some way. Yeah. Uh, the web and mobile app stuff is just, I just love tinkering around with, with that sort of thing anyway. And so that's sort of a second love. But yeah, if I, if I weren't doing this, I don't know. I, from now on, and I've, it's taken me a while to get, to this point, it was really this time last year when I started thinking along these lines and why I talked to my wife about wanting to quit was I was really getting to that place for the first time in my life where I was comfortable with the idea of, uh, of working for myself. I had always viewed steady paycheck and benefits and all those things as um, security uh, and, and a lot of us do. But then I came to the conclusion, well, you know, this is before I got let go. How secure are, there, are those things really when you're depending on someone else for them and when yeah. they can so easily be taken away from you? Little did I know they soon would be. Uh, and I'd rather be on the side of the spectrum, the end of the spectrum that's really uh, about freedom. And that means not having a net, 
you know, that means not having a steady paycheck. Uh, and that means not having benefits and vacation days, but it does mean freedom. Yeah. And I've been the place in my life where I value freedom more than I value the safety net. And so I, I, regardless of what I'm doing going forward, I don't see it including working for someone else. So uh, I'll, I'll just continue developing new loves as, as old, you know, if some of what I'm doing now passes away or I lose interest, I will continue to develop new interests and, and keep earning an income one way or another if it kills me. Yeah, so. it's, it's, that's, that's great. Uh, thanks for that, uh, that, that, that uh, feedback on, on that or, or your perspective on that. Because like you said, it, it is true. Once, once you've had the taste of being your own boss, um, it's hard to go back because um, as challenging as it is to work without that net, um, there, it definitely gets the blood flowing. You know that when you wake up in the morning, um, you're the master of your own destiny. <laughs> and um, there's, something, there's something to be said about that. And I, I seem to, to see a lot of that. And I don't know if it's a matter of seeing it because we're in this space and mm. you see the, you know, it's every, the, the entrepreneur, solopreneur, entrepreneur. Yeah. There's so many variations of that word Very that I've so. heard lately that it's just like on, on top of everyone else's mind, or it just may be a fact of this world existing um, and us just not knowing enough about it because it wasn't a concern of ours at the time. Um, I remember when I, I went to new media expo in January, mm-hmm. it, it it was interesting because as, as I was getting into this space and I, I've done some stuff before um, in terms of uh, a mobile app as well, mm-hmm. um, but these folks there, they're of a different breed. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're hungry, they're excited, they're well-versed in social media, mm-hmm. in, in all things tech-related. So it's different than, than the, the conversations you would have at your Thanksgiving dinner. You <laughs> and you're not talking about yeah. RSS feeds and uh, file size formats and, <laughs> right. and things that would just bore your family to death. Um, you talk to, to these folks and uh, the way they mentioned it is, is, is being with your tribe, if you will. So uh, I think it's interesting um, finding those people. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly uh, don't ever see myself uh, going back to the old way. Um, I, I, it was funny. I, we mentioned Dan Miller before uh, on his podcast uh, that came out today, his episode that came out today. There was a guy who asked the question, hey, I'm doing some freelance graphic design work. I've been doing that for a while, doing pretty well. But I just got offered a job by one of my clients for three times what I'm making doing it on my own. What do I do? You know. <laughs> And uh, my initial thought, Dan offered uh, a couple of pieces of advice, and, and my initial thought was really you have to answer the question of, you know, where, if this didn't come along, would you, were you in a position uh, in satisfaction or what have you in your present situation where you were itching for something like that to come along? And if you were perfectly content with where you were and what you were making and you wouldn't even be considering this had it not been dropped in your lap, then maybe the thing to do is just to keep doing what you're doing and enjoy that freedom that you have because – Taking this position was going to mean eight, nine-hour uh, work days, you know, five days a week and things he wasn't concerned with now. Dan offered up the opinion and said, hey, what, what, if, uh, what if you did this for a year or two years and continued to live on a third of what you were being paid? Imagine the amount of money you could sock away for that yeah. one or two years. And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. So, you know, either or, whatever floats your boat, I guess. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, for me personally – 
I, I'm just always going to be my own boss. I, I, so I, for the last few years, I felt like I've had it in me, but it took me a while to get to the point where I was comfortable. And again, in, you know, uh, full, uh, interest interest of full disclosure here i did get let go so i was sort of forced into yeah. that before i was i I was quite ready uh, and i think somebody knew it was really going to take that for me to really have the guts to i might not have pulled the trigger yeah, otherwise true. or i always wonder if i would have you know but at least this way i have no doubts that i'm where i'm supposed to be because the decision was made for me by somebody yeah. else I, I didn't make the decision and go oh did i make a mistake was that was that the wrong thing somebody else made it for me a decision I was already contemplating. And so I just went full steam ahead. Yeah, well, uh, full disclosure on this side as well. That happened to me as well. Mm. And uh, okay. so in between um, where I landed next is where I really start to put the wheels in motion um, with the entrepreneurial journey. Mm, and I okay. think, like you said, once, you, once you've had a taste of it, um, you want to make sure you're always doing something in that in that space. Yeah, yeah. Um, because as, as challenging as it is, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had many late nights where you're struggling to either <laughs> edit a recording or, oh, yeah. <laughs> or you know, listening to, to an interview you had or, or looking up guests or tracking down <laughs> guests. Or, um, I, I, as as, as uh, challenging as, as those times are and you're, you're pulling out your hair, I think at the end of the day, you're at least doing something that's for yourself. It's mm. not like in the past where you'd, you'd work hard at your job. And you're and you're and you hand in your, your the results of your work and your and your boss is like oh okay thanks that's nice <laughs> yeah much prefer this I, I yeah just don't ever see it uh, even if somebody dropped in my lap a job three times what I'm pulling in now I I think I would have to say no it's yeah I, I, that sounds crazy to me even <laughs> it does now sound think, crazy right you know I, if you, if you'd have said that to me five years ago I would have said you are crazy but now it's like I I, I actually think I would say no <laughs> that's great. Coming back to um, the Podcaster Academy, um, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting um, and important service because it's uh, not only giving folks um, the ability to, to record uh, or create their own podcast, but it adds the extra layer of, of professionalism. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, um, as, as, as we, as we wind down, if y- you could give folks some advice or a teaser, if you will, um, mm-hmm. In, into what what the, the, the course is about because um, I, I think it's important um, that people realize there's a difference between opening up um, a Skype session and recording it and thinking that that's a podcast um, versus <laughs> taking a, a more guided approach to thinking about what your message is, who you're speaking to, and at the end of the day, what you want your listeners to to walk away with. So uh, I'm wondering if you could uh, talk on that for for a bit. Sure. And I muted my mic while you were talking because my dog is barking in the background. So if you hear that, <laughs> didn't I hear, apologize. Didn't hear thing. That was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was important to me to very much as I contemplated launching this course back in November, uh, late December, and begin publicizing it for February of, of this year. Um, it was important to me to differentiate it and, and be a complement to the things already out there. There are, you know, whether it's Cliff Ravenscraft, I, I don't know if we've mentioned his name yet. Yeah. Great course with A to Z, uh, podcasting A to Z for somebody uh, trying to get started. Uh, John Lee Dumas has, has uh, delved into that area with, with uh, Podcasters Paradise, as you well know. Yep. Uh, and uh, Daniel J. Lewis is a name a lot of folks kick around who is in a similar space. 
Um, but I didn't see anybody really addressing the talent side of it. One of the the greatest things uh, or experiences that I had in radio the last several years that I was on the air, the entirety of my morning show uh, career on the air uh, in, the, uh, in the last decade, I, I always had a talent coach, uh, a, a well-respected uh, person in the industry for decades who would sit down with you, usually by phone, sometimes in person, on a weekly basis and dissect your show. On a weekly basis, wow. Yeah. Uh, you would submit, uh, and if, if it was a, a co-host situation, my partner and I would submit bits from our show. You know, oftentimes, as you would imagine, the things that we were particularly proud of, the things that we felt like were really great. Yeah. Um, and this person would uh, oftentimes sit down and tell us um, why they weren't so great <laughs> <laughs> or how we could make them better or things that we did do well. And so you, you first you develop some pretty thick skin because, you know, it was if you didn't, it was hard not to take that personally at first. But uh, that was the most valuable time I had. And I learned so much. Uh, my talent coach for much, much of that time was a guy named Tommy Kramer. Who's in the Texas Radio Hall of Fame? Uh, by is, the way. is he still uh, uh, still a talent coach? He uh, he is. He, he's okay. not on the air uh, uh, regularly anymore, but he's, he he still is a well respected and highly uh, sought after talent coach and well paid. I might add too. Uh, and and what I wanted to do was create a course that gave my students a taste of that or some of that. And so, in addition to the actual modules where we're sitting down and we're we're going through this this presentation or this live webinar together as a class, as you know, there are the weekly half hour coaching sessions with the idea being now some folks in the class hadn't yet started a podcast, but the, the yeah. original or the genesis of the idea was to sit down and dissect recent episodes and talk about things they could do to improve that and, and, and why and how they could get better as a host and the tips and techniques that I would recommend they use to more intimately connect with their audience, because the one of the the worst uh, faux pas uh, I would say that I see podcasters make, uh, and and I don't know what my topic at um, uh, podcast movement is going to be when I speak, but it I'm guessing will be something along these lines. But one of the biggest faux pas I see them make is take this intimate audio medium. There's there's no other medium as intimate as this one has potential being, yeah. and strip all the intimacy right out of it just by the things that they're doing that seem like the right thing to do but aren't. And and so what I try to do is take those bad habits and help uh, hosts and talent uh, get rid of those bad ha habits and replace them with things that are less likely to push their audience away yeah. and uh, less likely to, to strip the intimacy of this medium. So and I, I don't know if that answered your question ultimately, but in a nutshell, that's and it's sort of very sort of uh, – uh, ethereal type stuff, really, when you think about it. It's not like, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. It's it's really um, unique to each individual and each show and each person. And so there's no one size uh, fits all. Yeah, I think right. that's that's uh, one of the important things I remember about the course is the actual one-on-ones because, like you said, every everyone's at a different point in their journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it keep coming back to the topic of finding your voice, but really that's what mm -hmm. it is. Folks have to find their voice and find out how they're going to communicate what it is they want to say and uh, to their audience, and you can't be in it for the, for the money. You know, with with some of the success that people like Cliff or, and more recently, John Dumas has had, a lot of folks are flocking to the medium. I think thinking that uh, this is going to be a get rich quick kind of thing, for lack yeah. of a better way of putting it. Um, 
but uh, I think you really uh, need to come at it from a, I, I'm going to do this thing because I'm so passionate about this topic, whether I get paid to do it or not. And that was the case for me with my Read to Lead podcast is my passion for reading this kind of book, the opportunity that it would present to be able to actually interview and talk with authors that I uh, admire and I'm a huge fan of. Uh, and scratch those itches I was talking about earlier of, of being able to share what I was learning and maybe in the process get more people to read more often. Yeah. All those things I'm hugely passionate about. And I will continue to do this whether I get paid a dime to do it or not. And I think at, at the core, at the, at the very essence of it, you have to feel that way about the podcast you're doing. Or I would argue you're likely doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's, it's like that with anything you do, right? You have to first do it. Um, you know, would you be doing this if there was no money involved, like you said? Yeah, yeah And that's yeah. almost what you have to come back to. Yeah, I think so. Thanks for that. That was great. Uh, <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so what, what, are you, what are you listening? Do you have enough time with all the stuff that you're doing <laughs> and that I rattled <laughs> off? Do you, do, you, do you find that you have time to listen to podcasts lately? And It is harder, I will admit. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, the commute that I used to have, it was like there was podcast time carved out automatically. Yeah, you know, an, an audio book time that I would carve out automatically with that sometimes 45 minute or hour long commute one way. Um, but now that I'm not commuting, it is harder. Uh, I do have uh, several that I go back to often. Yeah, um, I enjoy um, a Ray Edwards podcast, the Ray Edwards show. I enjoy yeah. Dan's podcast. As I said, I was listening to his earlier today. And I love the little reminders. I use the Stitcher app. I'm an Android phone okay. user, and I love the little reminder. Stitcher will, you know, pop up and say, "Hey, there's a new episode of yeah. X podcast." And so I got the that. yeah, I got the reminder that that Dan had a new episode. So I began listening to it as I was sitting here working at my at my desk. And so that's and it's but it's hard though to be working and listening at the same time because I always catch myself stopping and and going back and re-listening to something that I missed. Yeah. And then I have to stop working to be able to really get anything out of it. So uh, I'm just – it's hard because I'm not in the car nearly as often as I used to be. And that's where I used to do all of my, my podcast listings. So do you, besides, have, uh, you, can, you can do it while you're walking your dog. <laughs> I have done that. <laughs> if I can find some decent earbuds that will stay in my ears, uh, I yeah, can't Yeah, I'll send you a couple of uh, – oh, it's so funny because uh, when you spend enough time listening yeah. to whatever it is, uh, audiobooks or podcasts – you tend to start to become very picky about what you'll put in your ear. And <laughs> I've, I've tried about three or four different brands. Um, okay. And I, I listen to music as well, too. So I like mm -hmm. things with like some, some good bass. Um, yeah. So I've, 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 I'll, I'll shoot you a couple of links of, of some, some that I'm trying. Or I'll put them in the show notes. But okay. um, yeah, they, 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 they make everything sound really, really good. And, and then with the remote, you can kind of forward through the episodes just without even touching the, the phone, which oh, is pretty okay. cool. I never do that. I always listen to the episode for the. I don't want to miss a sponsor or. or yeah, exactly. We would call never, to action. We would, we would never do that to our fellow podcasters. <laughs> Who skips forward? Are you kidding? Me? Uh, and you listen to those at one X as well. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, uh, it's. You should give it a try because um, I I I listen to uh, some at two X and uh -huh. um, I use Downcast and that has okay. a, that has a three X option. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so what's interesting is that it doesn't speed it up. It's not a chipmunks type of thing. Right, it's, it's, right. It, 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 it speeds it up, but um, the pitch doesn't change. Yeah, So yeah. There's, they use some sort of algorithm to make sure that that happens. But you can try it, I think, at 1.3, 1.5 okay. if you're first yeah. getting started. And for me, it's just a matter of trying to get through as many of the shows that I really, really like 
um, um, and and not not being restricted by you know the time. So mm-hmm. if, if 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 you're out walking the dog for you know five or ten minutes, you can get through a twenty minute podcast. <laughs> and I think for me, it's my and I'm sure I'll get over it eventually. But I, there's something about my radio background that that it's almost like a purist sort of mind, an audio yeah. purist sort of mindset or something about that that makes me that forces me. Uh, sub- subconsciously to f- to listen to it at regular speed. I okay. I can't put my finger and I'm 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 struggling, but I think it's something in that in that realm. <laughs> yeah, there's weird. some. Well, it's interesting because um, obviously I I first started out listening to audio podcasts because I listen to music uh, a yeah. lot. So obviously you got to listen to those at regular speed. Uh, but then when I started getting into the spoken word books and podcasts, mm. I found that I could ma- uh, uh, absorb the 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 content of what they were saying. Um, and for some of them, you know, some of the comedy shows, it's not like they're talking rocket science. That you, <laughs> you actually need to pay attention to every single word they say. Um, yeah. Some of the other ones, obviously, some of the, the business ones or some of the ones on fitness that I listen to, I, I find myself stopping like every two minutes to write something down, which, <laughs> which is a good sign. Or, or, or I'm just pouring yeah. over their show notes, <laughs> jot, jotting down all the links. So it's a, com- <laughs> it's a combination of all of those things. But I, mm. I think it, it's, it's an interesting time where we're headed. Um, and I, I think there's a, um, a, a lot coming on the horizon. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that Stitcher is going to be in the car um, mm. is, is interesting. And you have to think about broadening your, your audience and who's going to be listening to the show. It's not just mm-hmm. people who are in it. People, people who, like you said, may not have even heard of podcasts could be your, your future audience down the road. It's exciting, too, to see, uh, you know, what uh, Apple is about to launch with this CarPlay. Yeah, with CarPlay, yeah. That looks pretty uh, pretty interesting, and the, they've already got, I think, five, uh, for 2014, five manufacturers that are on board, and then in the future, like a dozen or so more. Uh, so, yeah, that, and Stitcher's a part of that, too. And so, yeah, it's a, it, 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 I think the last advantage radio has had over uh, podcasting or any other form of listening in the car has been ease of use. Yep. Uh, you know, radio's advantage for a long time was ubiquity. And there's, you know, everybody had five radios in their house and there was one in your car and you couldn't go anywhere without a radio. And, and that was a huge advantage that radio had over other mediums. And and as that has eroded, the last real advantage is ease of use. Um, and that's going away too. That's that's eroding. And so that w- with CarPlay and, and, and new cars and the dashboard advances that are being made, you know, I have to believe that uh, you know radio is in for a rude awakening when it comes to um, top of mind. And you know, kids and in generations growing up today, they didn't necessarily even grow up with radio like like I did. I mean, to me, it was, when I grew up, it was you know, radio was it. Yeah. And kids growing up today, you know, you ask them what their favorite radio station is, and they're like, "What? I, yeah. I don't listen to radio. Are you what's kidding? Your, what's your favorite YouTube channel?" Is probably the <laughs> yeah. right question. Yeah. There you go. And so. You know, as as these generations continue to age, it's like the 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 choices you have or will have in your car, really that you already have in your car, are infinite. In other words, yeah. more things than you would have time to listen to in your entire lifetime. Yeah. And so, radio's got to ask, well, how how do we you know, is, do we do we stand out by playing songs that they can get anywhere else? Nope, that's not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be something other than that. It's got to be. It's it's the content, and radio for so long has rested on well, we're local, or you know, we have this particular personality, and and some of that there's value in that, uh, you know, but uh, it's got to go beyond that. So, uh, I I think having said that, if you ask 
you know, Kevin Smith, who does a podcast where you ask um, uh, Adam Carolla, I'd love to be on the radio. That's not to say there's not value yeah. in radio. Yeah. Uh, they'd, they'd love <coughs> to, to have uh, that, uh, that opportunity. Um, but radio, I don't think, is, it really knows what it wants right now. So, uh, sorry, I'm getting all choked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I worry about radio. And, and, I, and, and as I said last year when I was, was contemplating quitting, uh, part of the reason I wanted to, to move on to the things is because I'm not really sure where it's headed and if it knows enough about where it's headed to, to survive. Yeah, in its, in its current form, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to last. And, um, yeah, it's going to have to work hard to keep Mm. up with uh, the pace of change it's it's occurring yeah. so fast now so rapidly with all these different technologies uh the, this the you're, you're putting computers on your wrist the fitbits mm. and, and wearable technology and the internet of everywhere and you've got internet it's almost like the car is the last piece that's connected to the internet and once that happens yeah. you know then it's like you said, you just have you've turned on the the spigot of mm-hmm. an amazing amount of information. So much of radio's fight the last year or two, and I'm speaking in general terms. I'm not. This is not an indictment on everybody in radio, but the industry as a whole <clears throat> has really been about. Well, let's make sure we get FM, uh, you know, uh, receivers on every device. You know, and every phone should have that, and every. Every device you know we can think of should have an FM receiver, so we can, can be everywhere. Radio doesn't have uh, an everywhere problem. Radio is already virtually yeah. everywhere people go, and that's not going to solve anything if that's where, if you're putting your eggs in that basket. I don't know anybody buying a smartphone asking the question: Is there an, <laughs> is there an FM uh, transmitter on it, or is there an exactly. FM uh, 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 dial on it? Exactly. Nobody's nobody's asking that question. It's only for when the. Uh the zombie apocalypse comes and we all <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we go racing back to our transistors and <laughs> our and it's funny you say that radio. that's another argument radio makes it's like if in a natural disaster who else do people have to depend on but radio yeah. and that's what you're going to hang your yeah. hat on is that well good luck you know <laughs> yeah i wouldn't put all my uh all my chips in that yeah it's crazy <laughs> so time flies i've had a fascinating uh fascinating discussion with you um well, has it been an hour already yeah oh my gosh wow and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah just i'm 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 one of the reasons uh jeff i, I brought you on 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 the show was to have your perspective having been in radio mm. um for this amount of time i i think it, you you've been in a in a unique position to see where it's been um how the changes have been occurring quickly um and um I'm, ha- I'm happy that you were able to come on on, on the show to, to to bring that perspective um because i think it's important well thank you uh, for saying that and i will uh, uh just throw out another resource for somebody who is as far uh uh better versed on this topic than i ever will be and, and a person whose opinion i highly respect and that's mark ramsey uh mark ramsey is where you'll find him and okay. when it comes to uh, helping radio figure out where it needs to go and how to get there. Mark is really challenge, challenging a lot of folks in the industry, and I, I follow his blog uh, closely. And uh, for anybody interested in this space, I suggest that they do the same. MarkRamseyMedia.com. Okay. So there's a lot of, uh, inf- uh, lot of important nuggets of information uh, that Jeff has provided you, the listener. So I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a lot of transcribing going on on my part. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, that's a nice that's a nice problem to have. 
<laughs> so um, if folks want to uh, – do you have any, any uh, interesting uh, authors coming up on the podcast? Uh, I do. Uh, at least I hope people will agree that they're interesting. Let's see. I've got uh, – actually, for the first time, I've got a return guest. Okay. Uh, coming later in March, uh, Chris Brogan is uh, going to be back on the show. Uh, he was on just like 14 episodes ago or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but has a new book coming out this month that I just became aware of. I don't know how I missed this, but I was like, hey, would you come okay. back and talk about that? He's like, absolutely. So there's him. Awesome. Um, let's see. Jamie Tardy, uh, yeah. the eventual millionaire. Uh, she just had a book come out a week or so ago. And uh, we had it set for a day last week for an interview. And I messed up the first time I've ever had this happen <laughs> where I overlapped uh, uh, bookings and, and, okay. and appointments. And so well, we're getting together uh, later in the month. And then uh, in April, it, I won't be doing the interview until late April, so it won't, probably won't be published till May, but Simon Sinek is going to be on the show, the guy who wrote the book Start With Why and, and who actually influenced some of the material in my, in my Podcaster Academy course uh, and also has more recently written uh, Leaders Eat Last. And so I'm nice. excited to be able to have him on the show. So those are the next three interviews I have lined up uh that will publish between uh march and, and may i guess so okay but thanks Exc- for asking yeah exciting times yeah very much um where should folks uh track you down uh to get more info on on you on podcaster academy on, sure. on the show yeah uh podcasteracademy.com uh for that we're uh registering folks right now for april 2014 uh and uh, limited to 20 students but we do have some openings for sure uh, for the podcast, read to lead podcast.com. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter uh, pretty regularly, the Jeff Brown, the word the, T H E, the Jeff Brown.com, or at the Jeff Brown, I should say, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, I, I guess that's it. Uh, email me if you want to, Jeff at podcasteracademy.com. Well, Jeff, that's, uh, I'll have all that information as well in the show notes. Four and- more links now. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> and if there was any doubt, it's not just your standard old Jeff Brown. It is the Jeff <laughs> Brown. So There's a lot of us out there, so I had to differentiate myself somehow. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks again, Jeff, for coming on board. And, my pleasure. Uh, best, best of luck with the show. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to chat again soon. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Harry. So thank you, Jeff Brown, for that great conversation. Jeff's 26 years of experience. I keep sounding like a broken record, but I think it comes through. He's the consummate professional, and uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. So all the stuff we talked about, podcastjunkies.com slash three, and you'll get the links to Podcasters Academy, the Read to Lead podcast, and a whole bunch of other stuff that he mentioned or is working on. So, episode three is in the can. And if you are feeling uh, so inclined, go to send us a review on iTunes. It definitely helps. And we're in the new and noteworthy phase, the first eight weeks. So, all the positive love, <clears throat> aka five star iTunes reviews would be appreciated thank you um comment below what you think about it as well any type of feedback would be uh helpful for us uh helpful for me (laughs) because i need to know what uh, is working and what's not and you can let me know that as my esteemed audience 
So, this episode's outro music is Numa's Bala. Numa's Bala is our friends of ours, and this track is called Esta Noche. It's got that Afro, um, Afro-Caribbean uh, flavor, and it starts out uh, a, a bit slow, but it definitely picks up um, um, a minute or two in, into the song. Um, it's got a nice vibe, nice island vibe, so think you like it and uh, you got to check Numa's Bala out as well we'll provide links to their info their SoundCloud stuff etc so enjoy and have a fantastic day Somos tres, pero si crees lo que ves, pues no ves tampoco traes todo lo que es. O no es que esta vez aquí todos somos voluntarios. Viene el diablo, viene Dios. Solo, solo estamos nosotros mirándonos y explorándonos. Llámanos sabios o necios, pero solo estamos preparándonos para decir adiós. Bienvenidos. Sube a la cubierta y date cuenta que está viva y está muerta. Deja que las estrellas te conviertan Y que las olas te adviertan Mira a ver si aciertan Mira el mapa y coge el timón Escoger es un don Y dudar un regalón Como mirar con los ojos cerrados No me huyas Lo mejor es que me cantes o me instruyas Por donde y a donde quieres ir Y yo te ayudo si van las decisiones, aunque no creas, son siempre tuyas El resultado, en cambio, es mezcla de las suyas con las tuyas No te destruyas, cambia las espinas por plumas Y verás que caminarás el puente de cristal Y verás príncipes caídos, convertidos en ranagua Con amor y hierba mágica Sana, que te sana Tenemos severo, cocinero, hechicero Para los bailes, bandereta, guitarra, acordeonero Tiramos la tabla por la borda, los castigos nos estorban, las armas que tuvimos las hundimos con el ángel. Aquí no hay banca y banca, siéntate y descansa entre plantas que transplantan, te sumergen o te levantan. Aquí no hay reglas ni cadenas, aquí no hay manual para que todos se comporten como se comportan. No es que nos dé igual, pero es que solo si se aguanta y se soporta, se transporta lo que importa. Y cruza el parqueadero Ayúdame a llevarles el sofá Los remeros Tráete el oro que canta Ponle pluma a tu sombrero Viajero, lava la cubierta Con amor y con nobleza Y luego de 
corona, ponte el balde en la cabeza No interesa la pobreza, aquí todos somos realeza Que interesa es la pureza y fortaleza de corazón Una buena acción es la mejor lección con aprender a pedir y a recibir perdón Switching on, capitán Aquí se habla de todo y se oye Que la razón no siempre tiene razón Quita del camarote, quita la bandera Aquí venimos policías y ladrones Ángeles y quimeras, tú verás Si te montas con hombres mitad bestias Guerreros valerosos enfrentándose a la mar O al mar, como le quieras llamar Que nos va a importar si lo que buscamos es la isla llamada despertar Y un tesoro enterrado en una playa desierta Abierta un corazón que solito se observa y despierta Pero la búsqueda no acaba ahí, pues sin llave no hay como abrir Un cofre lleno de espejos y naranjas para ti para que te encuentres y te pierdes y te puedas conceder Naranjas como símbolo del amor que puedes ofrecer A ver, no compares, solo tú sabes Qué tipo de ave tienes bajo llave Trátate suavemente, sé clemente y paciente No hay nada que brille más que ser transparente Prende el ponle flores al cañón Prepárate para entrar en otra dimensión Cruza la puerta de colores Aquí solo hay lo que crees Un mundo para que con amor colores hits on Miley Cyrus now. <laughs> there you go. I'm a genius and didn't know it. <laughs> They're going to be like, why am I on this guy's page? I'm looking for Miley Cyrus. Oh, man, you, yeah. I, that was I need great. To, that was I need great. to mention her and I need to transcribe my episodes from here on out and mention her every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 